Well, the last month has been full of challenge, hasn't it? Uh, most recently, uh, the deep concern about the treatment of women by men, uh, both in schools and more broadly in, in society. A tsunami of emotions about wrong actions by men, all triggered by the abhorrent abduction and then murder of Sarah Everard right here in Clapham. Before that, the challenge of racism and mental health issues brought into the public eye again with Harry and Meghan's interview with Oprah, attacking what went on within the royal family. And all that's before the biggest challenge of the last 12 months, the COVID challenge. Plenty of challenges in our lives. And so here we are, this year, 2021, on this day, Good Friday. And other than perhaps the, the treatment of women, all those issues that I've just mentioned, all of them were actually in existence at the very first Good Friday. Suffering, racism, mental health issues, murder. They are all present, even an attack on royalty. Because at the start of the Bible passage from Matthew's Gospel that we've just had read, we find the soldiers looking to increase Jesus' suffering. They are mocking Jesus' claim to royalty. That the one who has been hailed as king on Palm Sunday is now being mocked as a fake king. On Palm Sunday, robes are laid out on the road like a red carpet for Jesus to roid royally into Jerusalem. But on Good Friday, Jesus is stripped naked, mockingly given a robe to wear. A king, don't be ridiculous. In those times, a crown would have been made of palm branches like the ones waved on Palm Sunday to Jesus. And the crown, it was then placed on the head of victors, the winner in a sporting contest. But by Friday, the idea it had been reappropriated to declare Jesus not the ultimate winner, but the ultimate loser. A crown of thorns, not a crown of palms, shoved on him the thorns going into his head and the mockery going into his heart. On Palm Sunday, the crowd was declaring praise of Jesus. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But on Good Friday, the soldiers crowd round and they mockingly kneel in front of Jesus, crying out, cackling, racistly saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And it wasn't just a mocking cry. But it was also a mocking placard, and we've had plenty of those in the last few weeks. A mocking placard pinned above Jesus' head on the cross. Verse 37, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And make no mistake, Matthew tells us this is all about mockery. It is about utter mockery. 
Verse 29, the soldiers knelt in front of him and mocked him. Verse 31, after they had mocked him, they took off the robe, put his clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. And it's not just the soldiers. Verse 41, in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him, tells Matthew. And yet, as we know, many a true word is spoken in jest. And the soldiers' actions making Jesus suffer speak more truly than they realize. For Jesus, he is both king and suffering servant. And as he is led away to be crucified, the true king is being led away to suffer in our place on the cross. I don't know if you went to the Clapham Common bandstand in the couple of weeks after Sarah Everard's murder, as the quantity of flowers at the bandstand left by people grew and grew and grew. Most of the time around the bandstand, the atmosphere was respectful, hushed tones, some weeping, all reflecting. And what I was most struck by was after I'd visited the bandstand on that Saturday afternoon, as I walked down the path back from the bandstand to Clapham Common Tube Station, there was this stream of people, this stream of people heading in the opposite direction to me, heading towards the bandstand. As I walked from the bandstand to Clapham Common Tube, I reckon passing me just in that five-minute walk was probably 200 people. 200 people passing me, I guess, throughout that day, thousands and thousands headed that same route over the course of the day. People streaming towards the bandstand, making their pilgrimage to pay their respects to Sarah. And you know, what was most fascinating for me, it's obvious really, but of all the people coming to that bandstand, I guess of those 200 that passed me as I walked back to the tube station, there were, there were men, there were women, there were people of all ages, probably more in their 20s and 30s, but there were people of all types and ages. And probably out of those 200 I passed in those five minutes, probably 100 of them, so half of them, were carrying flowers to lay at the bandstand. And here's what I found fascinating. Whilst all sorts of people made up that 200 people, a real diversity and cross-section of people, there wasn't a diversity of people when you just looked at the 100 who were carrying flowers. Because I reckon over 90 of those 100, maybe even over 95, were women in their 20s, and 30s. All sorts of people, they were going to pay their respects at the bandstand. But it was just young women who had gone that one step further and were actually bringing flowers and laying them down at the bandstand. And why? Well, because for so many of them, their thoughts were, it could have been me. It could have been me.
and this Easter, just as we did in that special prayer meeting at HTC in the week after Sarah's death, just as we've done in this service, we continue to pray, particularly for Sarah's family and friends, grieving, mourning, a time of such sadness, particularly for them. But you know, this Easter time, we also remember somebody else's death. Someone for whom, as we reflect on his death, absolutely every single one of us here will be saying, it could have been me. It could have been me. If it weren't for the the challenges of COVID and keeping everyone free from possible infection at this service, we would have been having us, all of us, a diversity of people as a stream of people. Streaming not to the bandstand, but streaming up to the front here. Streaming up to the front here, not to lay something down, but to pick something up. To receive something. Bread and wine. And as we took the bread and the wine, we might have been saying, it could have been me. It could have been me. Jesus Christ dying instead of us in our place. Because for every single one of us, whoever we are here, for every single one of us, somebody needs to pay the price of our sin. All the ways that we ignore God, all the ways that we think we can live independent of God, somebody needs to pay for it, either ourselves or Jesus. As Jesus is hanging there on the cross, we heard people shouted out, he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. But that's the whole point of the cross. The king of Israel's choice was not to save himself so that he could save others. He could have come down from the cross quite easily, couldn't he? You know, this is the man who's previously calmed the storm, healed the sick, cast out demons, fed the 5,000, raised the dead. This man is God, come to earth, the heavenly king. He could have saved himself easily. But he didn't. Because he chose to save others by not saving himself. His death so that you and I, so that we can live. It could, indeed should, have been you. And it could, indeed should, have been me. And so we pray and we say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying in our place.
Amen. For a long time, there were three signs. But now recently, they've brought out a fourth one. Hands, face, space, and now fresh air. Now, we've all known about the first three ones and what each of them signify. And now we know the fourth one, too. Wavy arrows. It is the sign and it signifies the need to get fresh air flowing regularly in our homes and through this church, which isn't too difficult for this church with all its drafty exits. But in this second talk, I'm going to speak not about the four signs of COVID, but the four signs at the cross that we've just heard there in that second reading. Here are the four signs as Jesus dies. And then what each one of those signs signifies. Sign one, supernatural darkness. Verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And throughout the Bible, God uses darkness as a symbol of his judgment, his holy reaction against evil. And this here is the ultimate in sin. The sign of supernatural darkness. What does it signify? It signifies that God was angry. And rightly so. A right, holy, just, necessary anger as his one and only son is killed on the cross. So you might think that the darkness was God expressing his right judgment and anger on the religious leaders, on Pilate and the others who got Jesus crucified. But the second sign shows us that the darkness was actually God expressing his anger and his judgment, not on those religious leaders, but on Jesus himself. Because the second sign at the cross was Jesus' cry. That next verse, verse 46, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The four Gospels, they record seven sayings of Jesus from the cross, and this is the only one of those seven which Matthew records. So he must have seen it as hugely important in understanding what was really happening. And as Jesus cried out those words, he was crying out a quotation from Psalm 22 that describes God's king. God's king apparently abandoned and forsaken by God, given up to die. And Jesus, he quite deliberately quotes the opening verse of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He quotes it as if to say, that's me. I'm fulfilling that psalm. It's describing me. I am being abandoned. I'm going under the judgment of God in order to save you from ending up in, under it yourselves. The sign. The second sign is Jesus' cry, and it signifies that Jesus was 
abandoned. Now before we look at the third sign, I think it's worth just pausing for a moment. John Stott once wrote this. He said, before we begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see the cross as something done by us. It's the same idea in the penultimate verse of that song that we heard sung, how deep the Father's love for us. The words were, it was my sin that held him there. It was my sin that held him there. You see, before we recognize the results of the cross for us, we need to see our responsibility for the cross. Our sin held Jesus there. And that is why it is all the more majestic that Christ died in our place and that we then benefit. How does that verse continue? How deep the Father's love for us? It says, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. And in verse 50 of Matthew 27, we read that when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And in John's gospel, we discover that that final cry of Jesus, it was Jesus crying out, it is finished. It is that cry that you and I might make when we finally pay off our debt or pay off our mortgage. We say, it is completed, it is finished. It's that cry we might make if you, I don't do this, but if you were running a marathon and finally you got to the end of the marathon, you went through the line, you go, it is completed, it is finished. And it's that sense As Jesus cries out on the cross, it is finished. He's saying, it is finished. It is completed. Paying for all the sin of the world. I've done it. And it is at that moment that we see the third sign. The torn curtain. Verse 51. At that moment... That moment, as Jesus uttered that cry and he died, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You've probably heard it said that that curtain in the temple, it was like a a gigantic no-entry sign, saying to everyone, because you and I were sinful, we cannot come into God's holy presence unless our sin is dealt with and paid for. And then at that moment... At that moment, as Jesus finishes paying for our sin, well, then the curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. And notice it's torn in two from top to bottom, as though God was saying, he's doing the ripping of it, not us. We haven't earned our way into God's presence. It's not us ripping the curtain from bottom to top. No, it's God saying he's the only one, and he does it. He rips open the curtain. He says, access to him is now there, because Jesus has finished Paying for our sin. The sign is the torn curtain. And it signifies that you and I have access to God today. This very day. Right now. 
You may be listening and still need to come into relationship with God for the very first time. You may be wondering whether he could really forgive and accept you as the person you are with the track record you've got, with the things you've done. And the torn curtain says, yes, totally, utterly, completely, God accepts you because your access to God doesn't depend on anything about you. But on what happened on that cross outside of Jerusalem on that first Good Friday, you Whoever you are, you have access to God today. You may be a Christian like me, often conscious of your sin. Often conscious that God really shouldn't listen to you given the way you've lived today or this past week or this past year. And you and I, again, we need to trust that your access to God, your acceptance by God, It doesn't depend on anything about you. But on what happened on that cross, outside of Jerusalem, on that first Good Friday, you, whoever you are, have access to God today. That is what the torn curtain signifies. And then the fourth, the final sign is that people came back to life. Let's pick it up in verse 51. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely, He was the son of God. And I guess most of us, we find this the strangest of the four signs. An earthquake, people coming back to life. But I want to say, why should we see it as so strange? After all, Jesus, he has already brought dead people back to life to show his power over death, like Jairus' daughter, like Lazarus. And this sign at Jesus' death, It shows us, it signifies to us, not only do we have access to God today, but we have access to God after our own deaths. In Jesus, we can be face to face with God in heaven because Jesus has power over death. You know, if the last year of the COVID pandemic has taught us anything, it has taught us about the fragility of life. Death is no longer so hidden, so tucked away from our consciousness. We've had the stats of death communicated to us day after day after day. Now, yes, at this moment, it is right to have hope. Things seem to be improving with the vaccine. But in amongst the exciting hope of an increasing relaxing of all the restrictions in the coming months, I pray that you and I, We will not just sort of put the reality of death in the back of the cupboard along with our excess supply of hand sanitizer and face masks. Hidden from view, gathering dust in the coming months, pretending death doesn't exist. Now please, let's recognize death is a reality 
Death cannot be avoided, COVID or no COVID. And yet, even in the face of death, there is hope. And his name is Jesus. For it is Jesus. And Jesus alone that means that you and I, we can have access to God today and access to God even after death. And that is all made possible because Jesus. Jesus, God the Son, he was abandoned. He was God forsaken on the cross instead of you, instead of me taking on himself on the cross God's right and holy anger at our sin. And that is why Good Friday really, truly is good. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Let's just take a moment in the quiet to respond to the Lord Jesus on this Good Friday. You may want to thank him for what he's done for you on the cross. You may want to recognize to him your part in it. It was my sin that held him there. You may want to marvel at how you and I benefit. In the Lord Jesus, we have access to God. We are accepted by God. Both today and even after death. So just in the quiet, just utter in, in your mind's eye, just utter your response in prayer to him. maybe you just want to echo this simple prayer I'm going to pray in your heart and pray it to Jesus your King Jesus your dying breath has brought me life 
Today I praise you. Today I thank you. Today I place my trust in you and your death for me. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.